it was a horrible deal uh, to the point that it it literally uh, I said if the business is is going to be like this I don't want to do music. Welcome to Musically Hitched, a podcast featuring the untold stories of entertainment professionals from household names to budding superstars and those still hidden in plain sight. Each life has a soundtrack. Our stories are the lyrics. I'm Zach Reynolds Jr. And I'm Crystal Reynolds. This This is is Musically Hitched. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Musically Hitched. I'm your host, Zach Reynolds Jr. And we are here today with a special, special guest, none other than the one and only Mr. Cedric Thompson. Cedric, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Listen, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I'm honored to be here. It's an honor to have you, man. So we're going to jump right in. We've got a lot to discuss and there's a storied, storied past. There's the present and there's the future for Cedric Thompson. So let's, let's, let's dig right in. What's, what would you say was your beginning to the musically hit story? When I started, um, I started at the age of three. Okay. Started at the age of three. Um, my grandparents raised me. Mm -hmm. Uh, so my, on my father's side, which was my grandparents, uh, who raised me, uh, that was the musically inclined side of the, uh, family. Got it. So, um, um, again, at the age of three, my, my grandmother, you know, she would teach me, uh, because of course I was too young to be able to do any type of formal training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I became of age, uh, at six, I started formal training and, um, you know, starting out, you know, even though we had, uh, we were always in church and, uh, you know, traveling and whatnot, but as it relates to the playing side, I wasn't really thinking about doing gospel or, or anything. Okay. Uh, I was, I was a classical guy. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, my training, that's what I was, I was doing, you know, formal music. Yeah. Uh, my brother and I, uh, used to sing as a duo group. Okay. So, so there were times where uh, our cousin played for us. Mm-hmm. There were times where he was a no-show. Ah. So I was forced to learn, you know, the pieces that we were doing. So you were on pace to be a vocalist. You and your, you and this older brother, younger brother. My younger brother. Younger brother. Okay. Yeah. So at that point, that's where I always tell the story. God tricked me. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so um, uh, fast forward uh, roughly to. Uh, 12 years old, I started playing uh, at my church and um, did my first recording at, at 15. Okay. So what I would do, uh, um, I was one that always, even from 12 years old, I would go buy the LPs, you know, and I always read credits. Yes, yes. You know, and, um, you know, because I always wanted to know, you know, who was doing what. Right, right. And who captured this sound in right. the whole nine and I tell you what what really uh started I think uh my my journey as it relates to uh me digging into my sound was um I, I remember one morning I was getting ready for school and and normally my routine would be I would have a radio in in the uh restroom with with me. Okay. I played uh, played the radio. Uh, I would have it on the gospel station. And th- this particular morning, I remember I heard the song, 
and the way the song started off, it it was this big glitz on the piano. And it went into this huge intro. Yeah. And uh, I was I was intrigued and it captured my attention. Are you ready to take your entertainment career to the next level? Contact us today at info at moryentertainment.com to schedule your personal consultation or music business coaching session. That's info at M-O-R-E-Y-Entertainment.com. Then as the song started, um, I was like, wait a minute, I know this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, my grandmother, she was a chapter rep for the uh, GMWA. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we used to go there every year. And ironically, the that same year, I had heard that song. Uh, it was it was Nobody But Jesus. A guy named Stephen Roberts wrote it. Okay. And he presented it that year. But the version that I'm listening to, uh, I'm like, I was blown away. And uh, it was Thomas Whitf- uh, Whitfield's uh, version that he did with Vanessa Bell. Oh, wow. I'm strong. Okay. You know, okay. and so so from there, you know, uh, uh, I say, you know, I, I started identifying my sound. Okay. As well. Okay. So, you know. Uh, so so basically so the 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 bug has bitten you early yes and you're you're making now you're making a foray into literally creating it's not just okay out of necessity i got to learn how to play exactly to support this artistry thing but now it's becoming okay i'm stepping into my own exactly i've got a gift so you realized that you had a gift and you started moving with that how important is that when to your point um i'm gonna back up just a little bit so there was there was a point in time my my brother and I, we were both taking piano lessons at the same time. Okay. Uh, so my my brother and I, at the same time as well, wanted to quit. You know, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. We, we were like uh, tired of tired of all the practicing, all you know, and uh, so um, my grandmother, she let my brother quit, wouldn't let me quit. Oh wow! You know, and, and, and I was like, oh, and we called her Big Mama. Yeah, you know, I was like, Big Mama, why, why? And I remember she said, uh, one day you'll see, man. And, and she used to keep telling me that, you know, one day you'll see. I'm like, okay, what is this one day? You know. And again, your age at this time, how were you? At, at this point, um, I'm like 11. Okay. You know, so so, so that was even right before I started playing for the church. Mm-hmm. So, so um, um, to that point, you know, um, she realized and, and saw the gift in me, you know, and and um, as it relates to even our son, my son CJ, you know, he's uh, we're, we're so proud of him. He's he's a, a renowned drummer, but even beyond that, he's he's a great producer mm-hmm. as well. We realized uh, uh, with CJ that he had. A special gift, right? Even at the age of three, okay. You know, and and you know how sometimes you know kids may even just kind of go through that phase where, you know, they're beating on everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but we saw that uh, the way that he was uh, uh, paying attention to to sounds. You know, even to this day, we tell him that he owes us for a lot of <laughs> pots and blinds. Right. You know, <laughs> because he would take pots, you know, and set them up as a certain sound. 
take out lampshades. Uh-huh. Those are his symbols. Yeah. You know, and even the blinds, you know, so uh uh and I was paying attention. I'm like, okay, he's he's paying attention to detail. Right, right. You know, so so with that, you know, we we saw fit, you know, to to water water that seed. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, and and to keep nurturing it. And the main thing, you know, that we wanted to instill into him, our thing was, you know, no matter what you're doing, no matter how great you get, you know, just remember, you know, it's always somebody better. Mm, that's know, true. Always. That's and, always true. That's and right. uh, you never know who it is as mm-hmm. well. It could be your next door neighbor. Could be. That's right. looking to grab your spot. <laughs> right, right. You know, but, but you know, just uh, that was our thing to instill, you know, never get above yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this is a gift, you know, and uh, recognize where it comes from, render it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, you know, never forget. I have this gift, you know, I take it not for granted. Of course, we know that, you know, before the fall, pride comes before, you know, fall. So right. so um, never get prideful, you know, and, and that's not to say don't not to take pride in what you do. Right. Right. But not to the point that you think, you know, you arrived in the whole nine. So we, we instilled that into him. So that's probably even outside of the musical gifts mm-hmm. and the person that they are. That's the thing that I love most about. Uh, especially uh, with CJ, is that you know he doesn't let it go go to his head. Very good, mm-hmm. very good. So, did you have a producer mentor? So at the time, all of the the records that uh, I gravitated to uh, seemed to be produced by Quincy Jones. Of course. Uh, so. Uh, so you know, just paying paying attention to all of his de- his detail, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I guess you can say um, um, more so. You know, was a mentor from you know uh, studying. Right. There was a um, a gentleman, Leonard Johnson, in Anderson, South Carolina. Okay. You know, he would take time out. You know, uh, at times, you know, to to show me different things. He had this particular. Uh, style of of playing that um that just kind of uh, the melodies that just flowed with each other mm-hmm. and he had a way of singing in his playing nice you know that that uh i had never heard before so so uh um uh, i think that and then along with listening at uh um uh, thomas whitfield and i gravitated to Oscar Peterson as well. Oh yeah, yeah. and then yeah. and then to find out that you know Thomas listened to Oscar Peterson at the same time, you know. So so you know I I think you know it was an e- easy marriage. Yeah, you know. Right. There. So so um, the one thing that that I learned to do though was to uh, identify my sound within being inspired by them. Right, you know, right. so so not necessarily wanting to necessarily sound like them, mm-hmm. you know. So so I was trying to figure out how to incorporate <clears throat> what they did into who I am. Right, you know. How important is that? That was going to be a, a, one of my next questions for you: is how you crafted your sound, mm-hmm. but how important is it for producers and just creatives in general to craft their uniqueness? It's very important, you know. I always have this this um, this saying, you know. Anytime I get a chance to speak or whatnot, you know, 
I always say that you you never want to be a counterfeit. Right. Right. You know, and and I think, you know, uh, I can attest to myself. I think that's probably one of the reasons why um, I've been able to still work, Mm -hmm. you know, because I uh, I vowed to to stay true to who I am. Uh, you know, stay true to my sound, and you know that. And when I say that, you know that doesn't mean that, because at the same time, while we're in the industry, we we understand it's a business. Mm-hmm. You know, so Very you true. have to be competitive. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't say that 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 you doesn't still remain relevant in into the sound of what's happening. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, don't necessarily lose yourself trying to sound like someone else right you know because they are already the best copy of themselves right you know so 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 in that you know um stay true to who you are uh and um identify your sound and i think with that because if not uh i think one of the important things to, to gather from that is you'll never be able to locate where your foundation is mm. You know, so so each time a sound is changing, then you will find yourself lost because you don't know who you are. Mm, you know, wow, and you have you wow. haven't been able to identify your sound. You know, so so I think that's that's important, and and uh, you know, so a lot of the things that I do, you know, uh, people say that they can identify who it is, mm-hmm. and and one of the the great testament to that is. I, I want people to be able, be able to identify my sound, but at the same time, I want to still be able to uh, evolve into uh, times that you don't even know it's my production. Right. You know. Right. So I think at that moment, you know, once you're able to find that foundation, that chemistry of identifying your sound and still be relevant mm-hmm. at the same time you know, what cause you, you know, to, to still be able to uh, get the calls. Yeah. So, so part of it for those listening, it is, it is about sounds. Like mm-hmm. you do need to kind of identify something that you are willing to, to marry, let's right. say, to become right. hits to, right? Most definitely. Most Sonically. Definitely. Exactly. There's a son- Dr. Dre has a sound. He does. There's just, there's just certain things that you, when it hits, it hits and you know who it and is. And you know it is, yeah. Before seeing the credits or, there you, go. you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's what we're getting at is that there are, there is, you knowing yourself musically. Right. What to, what to do and what to stay away from. Exactly. Um, stay in your lane, you know, lots there of ways go. to say it. But, but then there's also some sonic textures, samples. Yeah. Programs, whatever mm-hmm. that you just need to, we were talking about Pro Tools earlier, right. how we just, we both in, decided to, to marry that one, right? Most definitely. Because Most there's definitely. multiple softwares, but you need to become, you need to niche down in something. So there when people go. need a specialist, they know to call you. Most definitely, I yeah. agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, generalists are, are easy to find, right? <laughs> Specialists are hard to get on the phone. <laughs> true to the <laughs> because point. Because they're working, right? Because they're working, yeah, so. you know, true to the point. Absolutely, so, so, so we've kind of gone through the high school years, mm-hmm. uh, College was 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 music like is music now in the driver's seat. Are you still kind of fighting? Did you you bought into the idea of okay, I'm a I'm a pianist. I can play the keys. Yes. Yeah, so, so when did you know? Okay, I'm about to make a career out of this thing. I knew that it would be a career uh, because I was I was like I guess you could say the one or one of the ones that was getting the call. Right. You know, right. Uh, at an early age. Okay. You know, uh, so. Back then, 
especially with with um, gospel artists doing a lot of workshops. You, you had a lot of gospel artists back then that would travel doing workshops, and a lot of them you uh, didn't travel with musicians. So when they would come to the area or whatnot, you know, uh, uh, I was the one that was actually getting the call, you know, to to play for these different artists. Okay. So I knew then, and after doing that, uh, my first session. Okay. I graduated. Uh, I was 17 uh, from high school. Uh, moved here to Charlotte to, to to go to school, Johnson C. Smith. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I started playing with the um, gospel choir there, and um, we our rehearsals was on a Thursday night. So I remember out there this one particular rehearsal, um, um, me and a friend of mine, we were going down the street to uh, to grab something to eat. On our way, uh, we could hear this music. I'm like, man, this guy, whoever this guy is rehearsing with this choir, loves himself some John P. Key. Because he <laughs> sounds like John P. Key, man. <laughs> And uh, I said, uh, let's go in here right quick because they were uh, they were rehearsing with the doors open of the church. So we walked in and you know just stood in the vestibule area. He he noticed me, called me up to the front, you know, to play for the uh, the rest of that rehearsal. Okay. And uh, uh, from there, you know, uh, I started playing. I, I started playing with. Him. He he called me. I think uh, it it was two weeks later. He had to go to Houston called me to go with him and and, and from there mm -hmm. I started playing with him. Nice. And uh uh um that's where I met my wife Lejeune. Right. As right. well. Okay. You know, so uh it, it, it just kinda catapulted from there. Yeah. So you've done uh a lot even at this point. Mm -hmm. And obviously at some point along this because you talked about earlier, this is a business, at some point you started getting paid for yes. music. So when would you say those years began? When did you start getting compensated for your music? Because that's another confidence booster when you start monetizing. It is, and I actually started getting paid uh, when I was thirteen. Okay, at my church. All right, and and uh, uh, I give credit to to my grandfather with that because my grandfather is like, uh, now you all not going to use my my grandson every Sunday and ah. and, and not give him any money. Right, right, right. You know, so so uh, I was getting roughly like fifty dollars. You know, okay. on a Sunday, but a thirteen-year-old kid. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, and and so what I would do, I would uh, take some of that save, and, and I would head straight to the music store, mm, okay. buy, the, buy those albums. Yeah, yeah. You know, so so um, um, I started I started getting compensated at uh, at thirteen. Mm -hmm. You know, and and then um, uh, professionally, you know, once I started with with uh, um, John B. Key, you know, that that confirmed prior to prior to that I knew I wanted to have a career out of that but then you know um, as I was uh, uh, serving as his music director you know that that was the confirmation mm -hmm. as it relates to uh, my career and 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 confirming that you know this is what uh, what I'm going to be, what I'm going to be doing as it relates to to my career and knowing that I'm operating in the right area. Right, right. So as you consider the the music landscape now, you 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 have a, a massive body of work. Okay. Oh. And you work with legends such as John P. Key. Mm -hmm. Um 
too many other artists probably to name in this episode, <laughs> right? But names that most would recognize, particularly in the in the the realm of gospel music. Mm-hmm. Did you venture outside of gospel? I know a lot of people get their start in church. We've had several guests that said that that's a common thread amongst people that particularly grew up in the southeastern United States. Mm-hmm. But not everybody has that background. But right. did you ever consider, or have you worked outside of gospel as well? And if so, how did that influence? Uh, records and things that you produced as you I have so so I think my my greatest influence uh, was classical okay Uh, uh, because um, uh, I think I was telling you earlier when I started out you know I wasn't even thinking gospel right you know I was a classical guy right so uh, you know playing classicals you know doing doing all of those recitals uh, you know the whole nine you know that that had a big influence on me and especially being able to read right is where especially playing for my church because you had to be able to read hymns okay okay and, and, i mean don't add any incidentals or anything you had to play it straight <laughs> out of that book from the book right um so so that and then um uh, i would do some jazz with the jazz band in 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 high school okay uh, so, so um, I understood, you know, being able to uh, uh, not just identify but uh, approach different genres with that. So, um, I was I had the uh, opportunity to to um, uh, travel with uh, Stephanie Mills. So uh, I worked with her uh, for um, for about three years or so. Okay. Traveled with her uh, and uh, project, a project that I um, uh, won a Grammy for. I worked with several artists outside of gospel. Okay. You know, uh, Queen Latifah, Micah McDonald, uh, uh, Mavis Staples, Patty Griffin, uh, just name a few. Right. Right. Uh, so uh, uh, yes, I've had you know experiences outside of. Doing gospel and tell us how how did that particular because that's the Grammy win that's 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 a big one right so yes. how did that particular opportunity come about you established at that point obviously but what what made that call come about for you so uh, I was um, um, I was working closely with with a label EMI they were EMI mm-hmm. at the time right and uh, so uh, the the, uh, the president of the of the label at the time Ken Pennell. He called me, and uh, there was a uh, management company by the name of Vector Management. Okay, uh, they had a array of A-list artists, mm-hmm. and they had an idea to to do a, a a project with with some of their artists. And the idea was for them to do uh, inspirational music, and to also team each one of those artists. With with quote unquote a well known e- either choir or singers behind them. Mm, okay. Uh, so uh, uh, um, that's how I got the call to actually do that uh, particular project. Nice, nice. I didn't show it, but a lot of times I'm working in fan mode on that project. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I I was a fan working on that mm-hmm. project. Yeah. How do you balance that when you meet someone that you respect? But you're, it's it's your time mm-hmm. as well because that's what we 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 work hard, we grind, we we put the time in, and then all of a sudden it pays off. Right after all these years of working, right, and then you meet someone who you whom you've admired from afar. Mm-hmm. How do you turn it off and on in those moments? I just always 
in those moments, always kept the mindset that I got the call to be the producer. Mm-hmm. You know, so so, uh, and then plus, uh, I was taught, you know, to make sure that you stay in your lane and stay out the way. So from learning that years prior, you know, that prepared me to be able to work with people that I admired. Right. You know, right. so so I knew that, okay, you know, while these are people that I look up to, you know, and that I admire, you know, I have to realize at the same time that I'm here to uh, to do a business. Right. Right. You know, so 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 thankfully, you know, I was able to uh, be able to differentiate that, you know, uh, the two of those lay the fan side, uh, lay the fan part aside. On breaks, I would go back in the fan mode a little bit, you know. <laughs> you know, keeping but, it real, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but when it's time to go go back to that red button, yeah, you know, I'm your producer. Because an artist needs to see you like that too, because they they may have worked with a who's who, right? As well, and even if it's your first time, you gotta show up in that moment and be who they need you to be. Because exactly. even an established artist, that's a very vulnerable place for them to be. Most definitely. In the studio, you know, we're sitting in one now, and it's just like, you know, a lot of mistakes and a lot of errors right. come come out. That's a part of the process, right? You, it is. We talked about uh, on a previous episode, the lab, and mm-hmm. why people call it the lab, and you know, scientists do experiments exactly. in the lab. So exactly. it's okay to mess up and not get it right. But even these legends have to know that they can trust you with their flaws and and that kind of that humanizes them right in your eyes i'm sure right it does and, and and you uh uh to your point uh the main uh statement in that is is being able to trust you i think that's one of the things first of all you know that you have to that's one of the blankets that you have to kind of be able to to peel hmm. you know and be able to get through because like you said you know uh some some of them kind of knew of some of my work and a lot of them didn't, okay. you know. So, so you, uh, you have to be able to establish that that trust going in, right? You know, and and then they have to trust you, you, you know, because again, we're talking about artists that have decades of catalog, decades mm-hmm. of hits, millions of albums, sold. millions yeah. of albums sold, right. and the whole nine, you know. So, so um, they have to trust, you know, that that you're going to be able to handle their gift with integrity right you know right. <clears throat> to deliver so let's talk a little music business mm-hmm. something you know well and a lot of people you know want to ach- they want to achieve what you've achieved but mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier this is not just fun and games it's this, not this you have you have supported an entire family right from your gift of music i have and so we like to keep it real on musically as we like to to, to kind of dig into the the details most definitely that that maybe, you know, it's, it's just easy to gloss over. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've produced in different eras, mm-hmm. right? We're now in the digital age and that's that's cooking alive and well. Exactly. But some things haven't changed. So talk to our listeners about what producer points are. Because sometimes when you drop terms like that, not everybody knows, right? Right, right. Uh, producer fees and there's, you know, there's things like producer agreements and production deals, all of this language that mm-hmm. producers need to understand. So how did you go about negotiating? Did you just have to take what you got? Or at a certain point, did you say, 
I want X, Y, and Z in terms of, of points on a record. Can you clarify that? Sure, sure. So, uh, of course, starting out, you know, um, there were those moments where uh, I was taken advantage of, you know, and just more so because I was green. I was green to the business, you know. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, um, you know, I was just more excited just to be able to do the work, mm -hmm. you know, and neglected the business aspect of it. And um, um, the the um, event that actually made me want to actually start digging into the business side of it was I had this group called The Promise. And uh, we, we um, signed a uh, recording contract with, uh, with Word Records. Prior to that, we were signed to a production deal. And uh, the um, uh, production deal, um, I later found out, was a bad deal that we signed. Mm -hmm. You know, and this was my first major project into the business mm -hmm. or, or in the industry. Can we talk about production deal too? Like wh sure. what is a production deal? So uh, a, a, a production deal is, I say for instance, uh, I'm a, uh, a producer or a production company and um, I, um, I sign a, a deal with, with a label. And, and in that deal, you know, um, I may have to to um, uh, turn in to them three different artists or so. So so with that deal, you know, they they work out a deal with me, which is in that deal, a, a distribution deal or so as well. So in return, then what I do as the production company that has the deal with the label, I then go find artists. Okay. Sign artists to me, which, which, I turn in those masses and, and recordings or, or records to the uh, record label like, that I have right. the deal with. Right. So that particular artist, uh, in return, is actually signed to a production deal because they're signed to me mm -hmm. uh, uh, versus being exclusively to to the uh, label. Right, it's, but your deal is actually exclusive with the label. My, my so deal is exclusive with, uh, with the uh, record label. Right. So kind of like, a, some people may say a middleman. The middleman right. pretty much is, is is what that is. Okay, okay. So, so uh, like I said, so it was a horrible deal uh, to the point that it it literally, uh, I said, if the business is, is gonna be like this, I don't wanna do music. Mm, one yeah, of those deals. Okay. It was one of those deals. <laughs> okay. It really was. Uh, so, so uh, after you know swimming in that emotion for for a minute, I decided. I said, you know what? No, uh, you know, because I I realized that uh, to an extent, most of this was was also my fault because I didn't know. Mm. You know, didn't so know the business. I didn't know the business. Right. Okay. So in return, what I did, you know, I I started studying. Mm. asking yeah you right. know and and um i think you know a lot of uh, a lot of um situations that i've seen that didn't necessarily work out for uh, uh either producers or artists was more so merely just because they didn't understand the business 
Wow. So, uh, and as it relates to your question with the uh, uh, producer points, so uh, a point is 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 basically uh, uh, like one percent or so. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so the one point one percent. The the one, right. Okay. Gotcha. Right. 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 So, what um, what you would um, need need to do is to understand the ratio of your points. Uh, or, or the royalty to that de- uh, particular deal mm-hmm. or agreement. So, um, say that if I'm if I'm getting five to seven points or so, uh, then then uh, that's that's the, the producer royalties to that particular uh, agreement. Uh, and as a producer, the way that I would negotiate my agreements is that I would negotiate uh, so so they give you an advance you know you get an advance on it or 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 whatever the the all in is it could be all in or you know advance on up against the record uh, so what I uh, learned to do and what I would advise even to producers is to um Construct your deal to where you you start recouping from the uh, a recoupment of your production budget, not necessarily the production uh, the budget of the album. Okay. Uh, which means, so I'm just gonna give give off a, a random number. Mm-hmm. Say if they gave you twenty thirty thousand dollars or so. Then uh, at thirty thousand one dollar is when you start recouping. Versus say say that the app and and I again I'm throwing out numbers because we don't get these these numbers these days. But just say that not anymore. (laughs) But but just say that the budget for the record was seventy five. You know where you want again your your royalty to start recouping at thirty thousand one versus seventy five because seventy five could actually be hundred and twenty five by the time they'll finish paying with the uh for the record because the label right. has to pay for, you know, promotion on the record, you know, all of the deals that are included in that. Right. You know, so uh it's important, you know, to be beginning and and, and uh, you know, understand the business and don't be afraid. You know, uh, to to handle the business. Right. You know, uh, whatever your your agreements are. You know, and I always say, you know, mm-hmm. you get what you negotiate. And at the same time, that doesn't say that you know you're a producer just starting out and you asking for the moon. Right. You That's know. What I was going to ask you, you know, the balance right there. Can can a new producer who's fresh on the scene, gospel music, for example, mm-hmm. or pop, R and B, no matter the genre. Can go in asking for what a Cedric Thompson can ask for. Uh, in order for you to get to that point, you know, there's some work that you have to put in. Right. You know, right. you have to build that resume. You know, in in order to you know to be able to go in and then start demanding. Right. Yeah. So if a producer walked in this room right now and said, "Hey, I want to be like you," but in today's music industry, mm-hmm. what's the first thing you would tell them they got to do? First thing I would tell them, first of all. Uh, Learn your business, you know. As I just stated, you know, uh, learn your craft, uh, and um, 
at the same time, you know, learn, first of all, figure out if if this is what you want to do. Right. You know, uh, uh, I'm going to kind of back up a little bit, you know, because okay. one thing, another thing that I've seen that that has been, I, if you will, the demise of some producers is is that they don't know how to leave they, their ego at the door. Mm. You know, so, I mean, that's that's the first thing. You know, you have to be a people's person, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I always say, you know, you have to learn how to be a psychologist, psychiatrist, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a doctor sometimes, right. you know, uh, I, I, you know, not uh, literally, but, you know, um, uh, so 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 with that, you know, I would say, first of all, you know, uh, outside of that, uh, understand, you know, um, understand your lane, you know, uh, and, and where your strengths are. Know that, you know, and and know what it is that number one that you have to represent. So if there's a particular artist that that calls you in a particular genre, then know if that's not your area, you know, or, or if, if you're not strengthened in that particular area, know how to either accomplish, you know, that particular uh, product because uh, the one uh, the one thing I would say, number one, as a producer, a producer doesn't, doesn't mean that you have to know how to play True. instruments. Facts. You know? Right. So, so uh, a producer is is basically, you know, a supervisor, if you will. Right. Right. You know, and and so 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 in that, you know, know know how to be crafty, if you will, you know, uh, uh, be one, you know, that uh, has tough skin, because this music industry, I mean, it, it can pull you apart. You know, uh, so so in that, you know, uh, even so, so so I'm speaking of the things even before we even get to production. Yeah. You know, know uh, and, and know how to use good time management. Mm -hmm. You know, be a, be of a, a person that is integral with finances. You know, uh, because because you're you're not just dealing with your funds, you know, right. your money, you know, this is the artist's money, you know, or, or, or the label, you know, that they worked hard for right. as well. You know, so, so I can't just go and buy a G Wagon just because I got a big advance. No, uh, <laughs> no sir. No, sir. Don't do that, you know, because uh, uh, the one thing that you have to, and, and I had to learn this the hard way uh, as well, you know, because that was, it, it was at one point in time, you know, um, I was afforded and, and had the opportunities, you know, to be working back to back, back to back. I had projects, you know, lined up. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't saving accordingly. Mm, okay. You okay. know, and uh, so so I had to learn. Okay, you know, when that when that when that rainy day came. Yes. You know, yes. I'm looking at all right. I'm looking at this account, and you know, it didn't add up to mm -hmm. to the stuff that I saw coming through. Yeah. You know, because I had the mindset this is always going to be coming in. Right. Right. And yeah. that's and that's a that's a very good point because everybody's everybody's approach to budgeting 
it's not the same. Exactly. Right? And that seems to be a taboo word. Sometimes we talk about music, you, you know, there's a music budget mm-hmm. that a producer get a producer's budget. Exactly. So you have to be able to manage other people's money. You do. But you're talking about right now, after all is said and done, you got to be able to manage your own, right? You have to be able to, be able so to manage your own. That's is right. there a is there a recommended uh, formula for, let's just say, let's call it a percentage, that if you could do it over again, going back to the first, let's say the first time you got a producer's check. Mm-hmm. How much would you have saved from that check looking back in retrospect now versus how much you spent? Uh, looking back, I probably would have saved 60, 70. Okay. You know, uh, um, I probably would have saved that, you know, and and uh, saved that and then doing some smart investing right? as well. So you have the, on this side of it, you have the anticipation that you know it's not going to last. So to the to the young buck who's coming up now, you would say, "Okay, you hot right now." Yeah, but you may or may not get that call every yeah. for every artist. So, and not only that though, uh, especially in today's world, you know, budgets are not big anyway. Right. You know, so so um, um, so the the smart way to, to do it is try to get you know what you get you know, on the front end of it, because it's at the same time, you know, make sure, you know, that, that you're handling the business where you are uh, putting yourself, you know, to be able to receive residuals as it relates to royalties. Uh, uh, but it's not guaranteed that you're going to receive X amount of, of dollars from royalties, mm-hmm. especially with the streaming services, you know, and with the way that those are computed in the whole nine, right. you know, you're not make you're not making a, <clears throat> A lot from that, if any, really. Right. So, the way I look at that is, is I look at that now, as it relates to music, is being a really a form of advertisement. Mm. You know, so so, uh, which makes it a little more difficult for us sometimes as producers because if you're a producer that's not an artist. You know, uh, then the question is, okay, well, how do I do that? You know, so so then you know, uh, then you have to look at up the other side of uh, the business, like uh, a sync licensing. Yes. You know, uh, and and uh, which is which is one of the the things and one of the reasons why I stress the importance of ownership. Talk about it. You know, and. Um, you know, ownership of uh, not just your masters, but you know, your publishing mm-hmm. uh, in the whole nine, you know, so that you'll be able to put yourself or at least have opportunities where you can put yourself to be able to license your music out. Right. You know, or, or the whole nine. And, and uh, because if you don't have an ownership of that, you know, you're not in the position to be able to do so. Right. And just to <clears throat> clarify as well to those listening, now, some people may know this already. Obviously, we got a lot of music business pros that listen to the show, but mm-hmm. everybody owns their publishing to start. You right. actually have to sell it or give it away. You, you do. That's so right. What you're saying is that people at, in, in the times that we live in now mm-hmm. be very slow yeah. to give it away because there's so many different mediums now and distribution outlets for music mm-hmm. that can be monetized. Exactly. And with with streaming as a as an example. That's right. The, the payout is very, very minuscule almost non-existent it really is so there are other really avenues is. and venues that if you're resourceful mm-hmm. your music is still dope it's great it is right? yeah but maybe this label route 
maybe this artist route is not the way you need to go. You might need to be monetizing over here, film, TV, exactly. content creation, there you social go. media, et cetera. Some of these things that are just like plentiful. There you are. There's music now. You go on Instagram, you know, you get this. It's not always recognizable names. Right. There's some instrumentals in there that I find sometimes that I'm putting behind the story. Yeah. And it's pretty sweet. <laughs> it, it, but it I is. don't recognize the name. You don't, you don't know the name. Exactly. Somebody's getting a check for that, right? They are. You know, and and they're they're drawing the those residuals, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, uh, that passive income, or whatnot, you know, and and uh, you know, so so that's the type of residual, especially today, that you need to be looking at, right? You know, uh, because like you said, you know, and especially being on the side of it, you know, uh, you may not necessarily be getting the calls, you know, uh, every day, you know, to to work on a project or so mm -hmm. you know so you have to look at those avenues you know and then even with that you know like i said you know be mindful you know that hey you know i need to also be saving right you know not just not just for the for the sake of having a rainy day but you know you need to be saving for your family you know uh and even as a bible said you know you you need to be putting away for your children's children mm, wow you know? wow that's and that's a level of responsibility. So you can't. So in essence, you're you're telling the people that we need to be looking at each dollar, and giving each one of those pennies in that dollar an assignment. That's right. Because one of these days, you know, we're all getting older every day, right? Every, every day, day we live, we get older. Uh, but you don't know in this business. You don't always know when you, the tour is going to end. You when don't. The record's going to be up, or when the label's going. And COVID uh, uh, exactly, taught us a lesson exactly. with that during uh, uh, the pandemic era having the time to really focus on their their music versus being on the road right right you know so so those that are on this this side of the uh the seat or the, or the table if you will you know we were able to to take the opportunities you know to be able to uh, uh get those calls yeah. you know, but you know that again had to uh i was only afforded that opportunity because of the work that I was able to establish. Yeah, you've earned the right to 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 get those calls. Yes, and you're also set up. So, you have your own home studio. Yes, I'm assuming right. Mm -hmm. And how long have you had your own setup at home? So, I have to give you I have to give a story about okay. that. Uh, so I was um, during this time. Um, I would say this was roughly around 2000. 2010, 12 or so, um, I was traveling a lot as well. So I was on, I was on tour, uh, had done a, um, this tour, Sisters in the Spirit tour. Okay. I was coming in, um, from tour, getting ready to go work on, um, uh, Mr. T.D. Jakes and Potter's House record. Mm, okay. So I was uh, I was coming in, had enough time to uh, get some sleep, you know, wash clothes, and I went um, on my way to the airport. Uh, my wife dropping me off to the airport. I went went in to uh, see the kids, and my youngest son, uh, uh, he said, "Dad, what are you doing here?" Uh, I said, "What you mean?" He said. Um, I didn't think you lived here anymore. Oh wow! And hit me like a ton oh, of bricks. Oh wow! You know, and from that moment, 
I said, yeah, something has to change. Mm, yeah, yeah. So. Um, you remember uh, how old your son was? At that yeah. Time? Uh, uh, Chandler Chandler was was nine, 19 years old. Single digits, so we still, it's right, pretty small. Right, okay. right. So um, uh, that's when I made the decision, you know, to um, put my, uh, uh, to build a, a home studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, 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 from that moment, you know, it's been advantageous for me, Yeah, you know, and uh, I've enjoyed every moment of it. What are some of the advantages? that you can roll off right now? So some of the advantages of that, number one is of course, unlimited time, Mm -hmm. you know, that you have. Um, And, um, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, that can be be a curse too, (laughs) you know, uh, because you have the unlimited time, you you spend unlimited time on the music. Sometimes you don't know when to stop, you cut it off. Right, time management again. Time management. You know, so so uh, uh, there's an advantage to that. Uh, um, budget wise, you know, uh, you don't necessarily have a overhead cost, right? You know, so um, there are several. Right. So you can pocket that, that, that producer's fee, for example, or advance. You could you can keep that in essence. You can keep that versus being able to uh, having to to go out rent a location or so. Mm-hmm. You know, unless it calls for you know. Uh, uh, particular um, uh, sound or, or, or uh, a particular avenue that you're not necessarily able to to grab at your spot. Right. You know, say for instance, if you have something that, that requires um, a big choir or something of the sort, and if your space, you know, doesn't allow for that, then of course, you know, you, you, have, you have to go and then resource out. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, but also there's, uh, there's, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a tax advantage as well, right? It and is. Because it's like home office, home write it studio. Off. Yes, sir. So you can write that off. So you're not, it's not just the, the monies that are coming in. Exactly. It's the monies that you get to keep. The tax benefits the from well, That's right. right. Yes, sir. Wow. Yes, so, sir. Most definitely. So a lot of the, and then you also get to curate an environment that is, that exactly. is uniquely yours mm-hmm. and you can set it up, like you said, and, and, and you roll out of bed and go to work and. You know, at any time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when the ideas hit, you don't have to, you know, hold them or put them in the digital recording. That's right. Just go That's downstairs right. to the basement or out to wherever your studio is. And, Most and definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. But you know that electricity bill go up, though. <laughs> <laughs> there's trade-offs right there. There's trade-offs, yes, there's sir. There's some downsides, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that that's, that's important to know because a lot of people, you know, some people, you know, they're on the fence about investing in themselves. Right. So what, what have you gain from investing in yourself because that's a that's a you know easy thing to say invest in yourself invest in yourself but you've got to spend money lots of it to make money yeah exactly. you know and what number one being able to recognize what's what's incoming and outgoing you know um you know that's the one thing that i can say that i've gained from that and being you know being able to be in a position you know to recognize smart decisions you know, uh, as it relates to your financial uh, 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 goals, your financial status, the whole nine, you know, and um, I've uh, been in, in investing into certain things like, like coffee, you know, you know, so, uh, and actually what, what drove me to, to those decisions as well was because of me being able to own my own studio, okay. you know, and because of that, uh, 
understood the importance of ownership again. Mm -hmm. It's a mentality. Yeah, it's yeah. a mentality. Mm -hmm. You know, so so with that, you know, that drove me to a whole nother model business wise. So mm -hmm. there's there are there are some structures that are advisable to at least consider for those it, that have nowhere to start because some people have not, you know, they they just a sole proprietor hadn't even thought about it maybe until this episode. Maybe I need to create a company structure so that I'm gonna tell you advantages I, I can reap. I learned that the hard way. Mm, okay. Uh because I was working on a um this one particular year, I was working on a project, and uh, at that at that time, I was set up as a sole proprietor. Um, about two or three years later, uh, I got a knock on the door. Uh, the IRS mm -hmm. came knocking. A literal on knock on the door. <laughs> literally. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, they they wanted to see. Uh, 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 my uh, reports and, and books and stuff. That's an audit. Oh, it, it, it was an audit. Okay. You know, and and what happened was, so even though I had set up a a DBA, it was still going up against me personally. Correct. Right. So so in doing my taxes, um, um, I was doing them as the uh, um, DBA, which was reported, but they occasionally this particular label had written out some of the back end to me and I was reporting it as the DBA as well, but it was all still, it, it was nothing wasn't it was incorporated. It yeah, was all yeah. personal. Right. You know, so, so I learned that the hard way, right. you know, uh, thank God I had all of my documents, you know, in the whole nine, you know, to be able to prove, but, 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 but mm -hmm. that was a, a learning, uh, a lesson at that point. Right. You mm -hmm. know, so from there, you know, that's when I started, uh, uh, setting up, you know, those different structures. Right. So you would encourage our listeners to do their research as to how to get that extra layer of protection. Exactly. So it's definitely. not coming at you. Exactly. Literally, not somebody knocking, knocking on at the that door. door. That's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 important. Yeah. Uh, your role with in relationship to uh, performing rights organizations. Talk to us about that. How has that benefited you? And you know, maybe you know, you can expound on what it is, of course. But mm -hmm. how has that? been advantageous to you as a producer? Uh, I'm an advocate for some type of ownership. Mm -hmm. and, and with that, you know, then that means that you'll be able to have uh, uh, some ownership of the publishing, ownership of the mechanicals, you know, and with that, you know, then, you know, uh, comes the involvement of the uh, a performance right organization, those PROs, uh, Either BMI, ASCAP, CSAC, mm -hmm. uh, and, and then you you know you have the foreigns uh, as well, and uh, it's it's important, you know, if you're going to become uh, a songwriter, even a producer, as well, you know, to set yourself up with one of those uh, organizations, mm -hmm. you know, as a songwriter and even as a publisher, because what what a lot of people don't don't uh, understand is that even as as a publisher, you don't have to be a songwriter. True. You know, a publisher's True. job basically is is to get your songs placed. Right. You know, and, and on that, you know, they they keep up the admin for it and the whole nine. But but you could be a publisher, and I mean, could be nowhere close to a songwriter. Right. Right. You know. Um, uh, so so with that, you know, is. It, it's very advantageous, you know, for you to 
try to have some type of ownership, you know. So so once you sign up, um, again, sign up with, I'm with BMI. Okay. Uh, so, uh, and, you know, they, um, they'll report to you, you know, um, quality statements or, mm -hmm. or residuals, you know. And uh, even if, now there's sometimes you may get something that you didn't get necessarily get paid from, or, you know, uh, or, or you will see a statement on, you know, until it equi uh, equivalent to a certain dollar. So it has to reach a certain threshold. It has to reach a certain threshold before you right. start getting a, getting a payout. Right. But uh, so set yourself up with that because because you don't don't necessarily see it now doesn't mean that you know it's not going to pop out years to come because thankfully because of that uh uh and because you know I, I i set myself up you know uh as a publisher and a songwriter with uh a bmi you know i'm able to receive royalty checks from years ago mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and, and, and then sometimes su surprisingly you know uh i've been surprised to to re and, and realize a, a song came to life, you know, that I was, that was done away with Forgot years ago. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> you look and, and and you look on the printout, you know, it's a ringtone, you know, so, so so you you never know what becomes of it, you know, so. No. So have you had, have you actually had publishing deals over the years? Did you decide to always represent yourself when it came to your publishing? What, what's your experience with that? I had, I had a publishing deal, uh, and um, uh, I, I was glad I got out of the door. Mm. You know uh, why? Well, um, because I realized that that in that particular deal, uh, I gave up more than I owed. Okay. Than I should have. Mm -hmm. You know, but 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 um, it taught me uh, the 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 insides and, and outs, you know, as well of understanding the publishing. Right. You know, and and it gave me opportunities as it did give me opportunities, you know, to be able to work with uh, with other artists mm -hmm. as well, you know, because of the public de uh, publishing deal. So at the same time, it, uh, it still was a blessing, you know, but but it afforded me, you know, to be able to. And, and again, that goes back to having a mindset. Right. You know, so you may you may correct me if I'm wrong. You may be saying this. It might be wise to leverage a deal depending on where you are in your career. Exactly. So that you can get in the door. The pub, a publishing deal could open doors of access to certain artists, certain labels, certain companies. Exactly. Uh, so I'm not sure if, if your deal was this way. But did you when you said it was you didn't get what you should have gotten? Was it that you got an advance and they and they gave you a lower percentage or was it just a percentage thing? And you just weren't happy with the percentage. You didn't think it was equitable. I wasn't. I, I wasn't necessarily happy with with the. Um, well, let me say this: I didn't understand the timing of the duration of the deal. Okay. Uh, uh, so, which which meant that what I thought I should have been receiving after a certain period of time, because I didn't understand, you know. Uh, the whole construction of the deal mm -hmm. back uh, to the business again right back mm -hmm. to the business again you know so uh so again you know i don't speak against you know not doing a publishing deal but right. just make sure you know you understand all the fine all of the fine print right but you mm -hmm. do you are an advocate for for 
maintaining as much of your publishing as oh, possible. Most if you definitely. can keep it all, great. But some, in some scenarios, now, give was, a little to get a lot. There are uh, uh, some scenarios, you know, where where um, of course you have to split. You know, if you if you're a, a co-writer, mm-hmm. you know, but then there are some, some scenarios where I was the the sole writer, but was willing to split because I knew the advantages of it being on a particular project. Yes, right. You know, right. So so. Um, um, you know, but but there again, you know, those are the decisions that you have to, you know, weigh out. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite projects that you've worked on? I know, you, you know, it's hard to pick one. I know you've done many, but <laughs> was there any particular experience that you had that just stands out to you uh, where you felt like I just I just I was in my zone on this one? Sometimes I say all of them are my favorites, but there are certain <laughs> ones, you know, that just have a, a, a certain sentimental value to it one is one is um uh a Michael Stampley mm-hmm. uh and uh reason being uh was because that particular project challenged me uh-huh. uh and, also uh because he uh so his um I produced his first project um and and um uh he was him being a new artist, uh, when he had first hit the scene, he sounded so much like Donnie McClurkin. So, yeah. so uh, even to the fact that he had already had a single out, uh, Holiness. And uh, I remember even hearing the singer on the radio and, and for the longest I thought Donnie McClurkin had a new single until I heard them uh, you know, announced the name, uh, the artist. And I was like, okay, it's uh, a new artist. And right after that, you know, I got the call to to produce his project. So the challenge in, in that was to help him find his own lane. Mm. You know, because he because he was being compared to right. Donna McClurkin. Right. You know, so 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 I didn't want to be the one to set him up. You know, as another Donnie McClurkin clone. I got you. And um, that that particular project uh, um, was a uh, successful project, and actually, he 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 broke records as a new artist on charts. Wow! Uh, in gospel uh, uh, with that project, so so that was one um, that has very sentimental value. Um, uh, another favorite project of mine was um, a project that Donald Donald Lawrence. And I produce finally Karen. Okay, uh, and uh, that number one, you know, that's one of those projects. Again, I'm in, I'm in fan mode, uh, you know, because I grew up course. a yeah, cluster yeah. of fan. Yeah, I mean, why not? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and and um, but but it was that project was so was so easy, you know, because um, Donald and I, you know, we. We actually we grew up listening to most of the same music. Okay, you know Donald. Uh, uh, he came from the school of, if you will, uh, of the Hawkins, uh, of the Clarks, Whitfield, Andre Crouch. Those same people were the same people that I loved and, and listened to as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, so working on that particular project, you know, it was easy. You know, number one, Donald, Donald and I. Already had a, a a good chemistry. Good chemistry. That was a production yeah. team, right? 
and then and then you know the fact of working on Karen's project, and and and, and it was a great great project. Uh, so uh, that was one of my favorite projects as well. Um, the project I produced with with uh, for Bishop uh, uh, T D Jakes in the Potter's House was their last project live in Kenya, and that project was humbling uh, because when we went to Kenya. Uh, this goes to show you that you never know in your in your process, you know what what you're presenting. You you never know who is affected, right? right. You know, or or who it it may be inspiring. Uh, and w- when we got to Kenya, I had an humbling experience. Uh, a lot of the locals there they wanted to. Uh, sitting in the rehearsals and uh so i let him sit in the, in the rehearsals and i remember on one of the rehearsals during the break a lot of a lot of the musicians there you know uh came to me and told me that they listened to me for years wow you okay. know and i mean that was in uh, kenya in kenya yeah. and, and i was so humbled by that you know, so, you know, just name a few. And then, you know, of course, you know, a lot of the things that Dawn and I, you know, uh, worked mm-hmm. on as well. And yeah. and uh, I will, I do have to name this one particular project uh, just because I didn't see it coming uh, outside of the uh, Happy Day project that, that uh, I named, you know, with all, with Michael McDonald and all of them was a project that I worked, worked with uh, uh, artists by the name of Rodney Bryant. And uh, he had, uh, uh, I was three days away from mixing the record. I was going to Chicago because uh, uh, I wanted to work with an uh, engineer there uh, at the studio, The Hinge, and I wanted to mix the project. So <clears throat> Rodney calls me, uh, again, it's three days away from me leaving. So okay. he calls me and says, uh, hey, Cedric, uh, I got the song I want you to hear. And uh, uh, I, I says, um, Rodney, uh, first of all, we don't have any time, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm going to leave in three days. <laughs> and uh, he said, yeah, but I, I, I really want you to hear this song. So uh, I'm like, okay. Okay, so I, I'm trying to, uh, uh, persuade him. Uh, there's no time to do that. Right now, yeah, right. So, so, so he was like, uh, he kept calling me, and so I was like, okay, Rodney, send me the song. Now, note this is uh, the internet wasn't really that strong then, hmm. so this was okay. still the days of FedEx. Oh wow, okay. You know, so yeah, physical, which, yeah, yeah, which means really I got two days. Yeah, exactly, you know? right. So, so overnight, so, huh? Exactly. Yeah. So he overnight to me. It was on a cassette, and uh, I popped it in, and, and um, it was uh, um, this older lady. She was, I mean, she sound, I mean, sound like she was in the kitchen singing, you know. Really? And, and I listened to the project. I mean, not the project. I listened to her, and I, I called Rodney back. I said, Rodney, no way we can do this, <laughs> you know. And first of all. The song was about she was singing a personal testimony because she had cancer, mm. so it was about her personal uh, 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 testimony. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, Rodney was like, you don't think you can do anything with the song? I said, no, and he, he kept calling. So I was like, okay, Rodney. I said, okay, well, here's what we'll do. Uh, I said, the only way we can do this song is if uh, you guys, uh, I'll construct the song, but you guys will have to meet me in Chicago on the first day of, uh, that we start mixing before they set up the mix. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, uh, I constructed it and I said, okay, well, what I need you to do is to get maybe three people that's in your choir, you know, with a great testimony, have them write uh, their testimony. I, I'll construct it for them. I'll write a verse as well. And when we get there, we'll work it out. Okay. And that song uh, uh, became uh, the uh, the single on the record. Really? I was suggesting to the label another song that was called Great Things. We had did this uh, 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 revision of um, uh, Great Things from Milton Brunson and Thompson Community Choir. And because it was a big groovy song, you know, I thought that it should have been a single and they picked that's the song I didn't like, oh, you know, yeah. as a single became one of his biggest hits. Wow. You know, wow. So, mm -hmm. so you never know. You like, never know. You never know. <laughs> you never know. So put your best foot forward on every song. On everything. You, yeah. Because you never know. The one that hits could be the one that you think. Exactly. Yeah. And and with that, you know, I would also like to state if I if I uh, if I can, as a producer, uh, concentrate on getting the best song that you can. Mm, yes. Not right. necessarily with the mindset of producing a hit. Cause most of the time when you go into the mindset of producing a hit, you come up with something uh contrived. Mm. You know, and that's where the cop that's where the duplication comes in, right? You because what, what we tend to gravitate toward what has been confirmed is what you already. hear, yeah. Right. You know, all already done. Mm -hmm. You know, so let the song speak to you and let the song dictate to you what elements should be involved That's or good. how to produce it. Right. You know, and 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 uh it'll be what it is. Let the song let the song do the talking. Mm -hmm. right? okay. Most definitely. You mentioned uh the the legendary Donald Lawrence longtime collaborator of yours. Yes, you guys yes. made a lot of magic most, together. Most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, what type of he's a very gifted human being. Oh most definitely. Most definitely. What type of person do you have to be to be his collaborator? You know, uh, with working with Donald, first of all, you know, your um, expectation, you know, is going to be that of perfection, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, uh, you have to be that type of person, you know, that that strives for that, you know, uh, and at the same time, though, in a in a way that doesn't, you know how sometimes you can hear producers and there's too much in in the music. Yeah, yeah. You know, so 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 you have to be a person, as I said earlier, leaving your ego at the door. Cause Donald, he'll strip your music <laughs> down to the bare minimum. You know, and. And I understood that because number one, you know, uh, uh, Quincy Jones, I saw made a made a statement. Uh, 
I think they I think he was listening at I think either some some mixes or so um on a record or production that they were doing and he was saying leave some space you got to leave room for God to be able to come in yeah, to the right. music. Yeah. So, I know I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I remember yeah. this. Yeah. So same thing with Donald. You know, uh uh um he wants you to uh now Donald still still likes stuff to be edgy, but edgy with heart, right? You know, so so uh, with that, you know, uh, of course you got to be a person of uh, integrity, you know, uh, and be about your business at the same time. But understanding that, you know, when you're working with, with Donald, is is just not necessarily. Even though Donald is a technical person as well, I mean, as it relates to the way he he approaches things, you know, but you you definitely have to place yourself to be able to think outside the box, mm -hmm. you know, and be open, you know, to that because at the same time you 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 also have to to realize that hey, you know, even though this is this may be a product that that I'm also. Uh, uh, representing and and demonstrating to to actually put out, but this is not necessarily your project as it relates to the vision. You're you, you're you're helping someone else's vision to come to the forefront. Right, right. So so with Donald, you know, those are the mindsets that you have to be in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How important has relationships? That's one example of a great relationship that you've fostered and developed and most definitely over the years. How important has relationship building and maintaining been to your success? Very, very important, you know, because uh, number one, you know, um, uh, we were speaking on something earlier uh, before we started. And I mentioned, you know, you you never take for granted those even those first chance encounters. Mm hmm you know, and never, never take for granted well, uh, uh, or what a relationship can form into. Right. You know, uh, so uh, forming uh, uh, great relationships, you know, I think is very vital, you know, because um, again, you know, I never, I never would have known that, you know, me having a, a great relationship with Donald, you know, would also help elevate my career right you know right. and and i know uh, uh a large portion of my career was also because of my connection with donald right you know but but that was because as well we we uh remained and and, and kept a great relationship with each other mm -hmm. you know and i understood the importance of the relationship you know uh and and understand you know the the connection mm -hmm. You know, uh, did you guys agree on everything? No, we did. <laughs> we, I mean, there were times in the studio. Uh, 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 I hear now, Donald. He he likes to mix uh, uh, a little more of sopranos, but I was always a soprano guy. Okay, and Donald's the alto guy. Mm. So we used to fight for those uh, sometimes, and I would disagree. <laughs> you know, so so, uh, and then and then even musically, sometimes you know. He uh, he wanted to go into a particular area, and I was like, "No, no, 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 no." So yeah. there were only a, a few occasions I won the battle, you know. <laughs> and and <laughs> but uh, there again, you know, realizing, okay, I'm here to support a vision. There you go. 
right. you know. Right. So so uh, regardless, you know, of what I thought should should happen, mm-hmm. you know, that's not my job. Right. You know, of course, you know, it's my uh, it's my position to to make suggestions or, or recommendations or whatnot. Right. But at the same time, you know, again, you know, it's it's either uh, the person that you're working with, you know, or the artist or whatnot. It's their vision. Right. Yeah. Right. And, that, and that also comes down to trusting that artist gift mm-hmm. as well. Because like we said, Donald Lawrence is, you know, is is a is a legend. Right? Most definitely. Most so definitely. you at some point, even though you need to have some gusto and say, hey, here's what I think, because that's also your job, too. Is to right. say if something's not right or if you don't feel in your producer expertise that this should this should keep mm-hmm. on the record. You need to be able to say why. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you also have to have the humility, as we've talked about uh, throughout the episode, is you've got to be able to accept, okay, this is this artist's vision. Mm-hmm. And in essence, you win by playing the support role. Exactly. You've won a lot along the way by recognizing that ultimately, this is, I got to do what best serves the artist. Is that yeah, correct? I totally agree. And, you know, sometimes, you know, that that calls for knowing when to to have uh uh intake you know uh, it calls for you knowing what not to say you know it it calls for you knowing when to step back let the artist be the artist you know of course there are times when you have to uh rein it in mm-hmm. you know but uh, uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes as a producer, it may be my job, you know, just to, again, you know, not necessarily just all the way be be hands on in terms of almost micromanaging, you know, let the artist be the artist. Right. You right. know, and and, and uh, in that. But I think one of the ways as well uh, to establish that. What I like to do before, even before working with an artist, is to establish a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and the way I do that is making sure that we have communication established. You know, even if if we don't get to see each other before we get into the studio, you know, there's at least from some personal point of view some things that I I like to have established with the artist. Yeah, it's gotta have yeah. A, create a connection point. Most right. definitely, mm-hmm. most definitely. Nice, nice. Well, you're a family man. You you're a husband. You're a father. You yes, your grandfather as well. <laughs> what what would you say is possible in the realm of balance? Is that a unnecessary word if you're in the music industry and you have a family? Oh, it's necessary. Okay, you know, uh, you have to learn that balance uh, because um, I've seen. Uh, I've seen the music industry tear apart families, mm. you know, and um, even with those individuals unintentionally, you know, because you know they were so engulfed in focusing on on the career, you know, uh, and if you're not careful, you know, music can 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 overwhelm you, you know, in terms of your time management, right? You know, and and then. I've seen the and, and um, I saw myself at, at one point, you know, having that unbalanced. Well, you know, I'm like, okay, now this is this music side is about to kind of overtake me, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm giving less time to my family, 
you know, and again, going back to my son, you know, uh, uh, making that statement. So, you know, family number one is, first of all, my first ministry. You know, so so uh, I place the I place importance on my family, you know, because, you know, if if I don't have my family and if they don't if if they don't look to me as the the husband, the father or uh, the grandfather, you know, uh, that I should be, you know, then, you know, t- to me, the musical side is, is void. Oh, OK. You wow. know, because I that's hadn't true. done my job here. Yeah, that's good. That's you know, good. so 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 um, uh, I think it's it, it's very important. You know, and my wife and I, we make sure that every day we pray with each other. You know, even if we are away from each other, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we make sure that we pray every day. You know, make sure that our, uh, e- even if we don't talk to our kids, our sons every day, make sure that they're straight. You know, uh, and we're living for our grandkids. Is mm-hmm. love, love all five of them. Fantastic. You know, uh, so 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 to me, you know, f- family is is very important. Mm-hmm. You know, because without them, to be honest with you, w- without them, it wouldn't be the Cedric Thompson producer. Right. You right. know, because they inspire what I do. Nice, nice. What do you hope your legacy will be? Number one. Um, Outside of the outside of the music musical aspect, was that I was a person of integrity. Mm. Yeah, that's important to me. Mm. You know that I was a person of of great character, not just a person of character. You know, because when you a person of character can have many yeah. definitions. There's a whole lot of that. characters out here. There's a whole <laughs> lot of characters out here. You know, but I want people to to always say, you know, that. I was somewhere. I, I was. I was a person that they could respect because of who I was and because of what and who I, I uh, represented. Right, right. You know, number one, I love my family. Well, I love God. I love my family. Then a bundle of that everything else is categorized. Mm. You know, so so even if they have nothing else to say about me musically, you know, I want them to be able to say that. I was someone that they could respect, you know, because of my integrity. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. Well, your your body of work, as we said, already speaks for itself, and I know uh-huh. you've you've left a tremendous uh, fingerprint on the world that. with your music. Uh, we we celebrate your gifts thank and what you, you what you've contributed to the music industry in general. So, right where can people find uh, your music? First mm-hmm. of all, that you that you've already created, and uh, tell them where they can find you on social media if they don't know. Sure, already. sure. Um, uh, they can find my music on on mostly all of the uh, DSPs, and then and then to uh, if you want to know the particular projects that I've worked on, you can go to um, All Music, yeah, and uh, I look up Cedric Thompson. Uh, socially, um, you can find me on on Facebook Cedric Thompson uh, and uh, Instagram. Okay. All right. Well, it's it has been an absolute pleasure to to have this conversation uh, with I you. I appreciate it. I, uh, I enjoyed it. 
Yeah, thank you, man. You you have contributed much, as I said, to just to the world of music. Uh, your your stamp is is, uh, is on it that. forever, and we're, we're honored to have you. And just thank you, thank, thank you for what you've shared with the the musically hitched audience today. Um, I, I, it was just tons and tons and tons of gems. So oh, wow. we'll have wow. to go back. Make sure you when you listen to this episode, you're gonna probably have to go back and make notes and, and stop and start again because it was just so much good good rich content uh, today. That. So thank you for sharing with with us today. We really appreciate you, Cedric. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been another episode of Musically Hitched. I'm your host, Zach Reynolds. Take care. We'll see you next time. This is your co-host, Crystal Reynolds. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Musically Hitched. You can support this podcast by following the show on your favorite podcast platform. 